Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. Hello everyone and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am, of course, the host, Dungeon Master, and King of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard. And thank you for joining us on this uh, special evening. Uh, Tonight we are joined by a returning guest, none other than the legendary uh, host of My Tai Happy Hour and co-host of the Vintage RPG Podcast, Ladies and gentlemen, coming at you from the swamps of New Jersey, John Hambone McGuire. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I am psyched to be here with you tonight. Absolutely, because not only do we get to talk about our mutual love of RPGs, but we get to talk about another thing that we both uh, know and love so much, that being, of course, professional wrestling. Ooh, yeah. Freak out, freak out, freak out. Well, let me tell you, brother. All right. So we've already established on this show your uh, your love of RPGs. So I'm going to ask a, a similar question with a different slant on it that uh, you answered the first time around. This time, instead of how you got into RPGs, tell me your origin story with wrestling. Yeah, that's a great question. My origin story with wrestling, I actually have two origin stories with professional wrestling. There was the 80s professional wrestling that I think everyone grew up with, Hogan, Macho Man, and I'm north of the Mason-Dixon, so I was a WWF guy, which for those listening at home, when I was younger, if you didn't have cable TV, you had no idea about WCW or any other kind of wrestling federation. It was WWF or bus, pile driver album ice cream sandwiches, Hulkamania running wild across this great nation from coast to coast. I mean, that's all you had. Now, growing up, watched it, fell in love with it. I actually got to go to some wrestling events at the Brendan Burn Arena, which for those listening at home who might not be in the know, that's also hidden somewhere in the swamps of New Jersey and is no more. It's now the Continental Airline Arenas, which is now, I think, something else entirely as well. Years later, though, I mean, I fell out of it. I kind of popped back in for the Attitude Era because, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, Mankind, and it was kind of everywhere, but I fell out of it again because I kind of went and became a touring musician, so I wasn't home every Monday night trying to watch professional wrestling. Fast forward to maybe 2012, I was a traveling salesman and trying to stay out of trouble on the road, so on Monday nights, every Monday night, I'd be parked in my hotel room, sitting on the edge of the bed, watching monday night raw uh and then you know smack down the next night and that would kind of kept me out of trouble for a little bit so i came in right after the summer of punk i came in for the shield and i've been hooked ever since gotcha gotcha and then i'll share a little bit of my background in professional wrestling unlike most people who are super into wrestling I did not grow up with wrestling. In fact, I grew up in a household where we were not allowed to watch wrestling because wrestling was fake. And also, I was born in 95, so my very early years would have been uh, late Attitude Era, Ruthless Aggression Era, still TV-14 content, and my religious parents probably didn't want me to see the Katie Vick angle. And I can't say that I blame them. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. But anyway, I, you know, got into comic books, video games, RPGs. That's why I'm sitting here. And when I realized that, you know, everyone or most everyone who was into these kind of things also had a thing for professional wrestling, I thought maybe I should give it a try. I've, you know, grown up with all these opinions about professional wrestling and how dumb it is. Why not actually watch it and give it a chance? And so I gave it a chance 
Uh, this was 2016, right after uh, WrestleMania 35. Yes, I believe that's correct. The one it in Dallas good. that everyone hated. Yeah. Roman Reigns versus Triple H, that one. That's that's not great. Not great television. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I came in and started watching, you know, Raw and SmackDown. AJ Styles had just debuted, and, you know, he was he was kind of my entry point. Because, oddly enough, I was familiar with TNA. I think it's because I was listening to John Boy and Billy every morning, and they would always talk about uh, what happened on Impact. And so I knew this name, AJ Styles, and I, I latched onto that. I was like, he's new in the WWE, I'm new in the WWE, let's see what this guy does. Turns out he's one of the greatest wrestlers that ever stepped in the ring. He's your guy. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, at that time you have NXT as well, and that was you know, like peak NXT with uh, with Finn Balor and Samoa Joe and stuff like that. So Yeah, the yeah, best. Into all that, Shinsuke Nakamura coming in, yeah, I was all about that, and I kind of had the the I'm super into wrestling childhood thing happen to me in my early 20s. Yeah. And so every child at some point thinks, I can do this. I can be like one of those guys. Most people are uh, kind of, you know absolved of those delusions by the time they reach middle school. Yeah. I was, again, in my 20s, there was no one there who I was listening to to tell me, no, you shouldn't do that. And so I said, I am going to become a professional wrestler. And I signed up for uh, George South's professional wrestling school in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I lived. Mr. Number One, George South, one of the legendary job guys in... uh, you know, 80s uh, WCW and, and WWF at the time. Uh, he's he's lost to all the great ones. And I thought I was going to be a wrestler. I thought I'd be... I thought I'd be doing this. And uh, no. No. And then I, the bell rang, as they say. <laughs> yep. Yep. It turns, da- it's, it turns out that if you can't do a uh, tackle drop-down duck the clothesline correctly every single time. You, in fact, can't be a professional wrestler. But, Ryan, how was your arm drag? It was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I could take a bump, and that was about it. Listen, I will tell you, as a 40-year-old man-child, I'm actually 41 now, what is time anymore? It's 2020. uh, (laughs) Who's got several back issues and has countless numbers of needles jabbed into that back. I fell in love with wrestling, truly fell in love with wrestling eight or so years ago. And at that point I had no, no illusions about the fact that I should not be taking any kind of bumps. Like I am afraid to fall off a high curb. Mm -hmm. So hats off to you, my man for, for getting in the ring and trying to go bell to bell. Mm -hmm. Yes. At least I've done it. I never had a match uh, I didn't have a wrestling name, so no one asked me what that. I had a couple picked out. Uh, it was between Ryan Cassidy and Ryan Murdoch, but both good names. Yeah, both yeah, strong not, names. Not terrible. Ryan Cassidy's a little more heartthrobby. Ryan Murdoch is more like, yeah, he might know a guy who could kick your ass. I like them both. They're good. Now you got a gimmick name going forward. But Howard, you know, Ryan Howard's a strong last name, so yep. I feel like you win either way. Yeah, the only issue with Ryan Howard is there's already a famous athlete named Ryan Howard. Uh, he played for the Philadelphia Phillies, and so if I was going to, you know, be in in the athletic sphere, I thought, you know, there can't be two famous athletes named Ryan Howard. I was that yeah. delusional at, at 21. That's not delusional, though, man. It's, a, it's a, a young man who's following their dreams, and for every guy and gal I know who put on the big kid shoes and hop in that van and drove across country to play in Tulsa for 20 bucks and two patrons. You got to follow your dreams. So it's not delusional. You got to give it a shot because who knows? It might work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we are, well, we're here to talk about wrestling, but specifically we're here to talk about wrestling RPGs. And there's one in particular, uh, one <laughs> of the kind of legendarily bad RPGs, uh, 
from the D20 boom, one that really just kind of suffers from a lack of effort put into it, that being WWE Know Your Role from 2005. As you can see from this cover, we're already off to a thrilling start. I mean, just from the cover alone, even if you're watching wrestling at that era, you know this game is a stinker Mm -hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, like... Okay, Kurt Angle, one of the great, like, one of the greats. One of the best technical wrestlers of all time. Bob Holly, job guy. You, he was you know a very good job guy. Yes, yes. One of, again, one of the best. Uh, a great trainer as well. But, he, like, he, he's going to tap. This is, like, two seconds before the tap. That's the angle lock. He, yeah, he's hitting the mat it it's over he's done and and off the bat like my knee jerked with this because i had not seen the cover when you approached me to come do the show Mm -hmm. and talk about this you're like oh it's wwe know your role i was like oh cool i'd imagine it has like the rock on the cover because i mean you know for those listening at home who may not be familiar with the works of Dwayne the rock johnson Mm -hmm. you know your role and shut your mouth like it's his thing it's his catchphrase so how are you gonna put the rock's catchphrase on the book but not put the rock on the cover Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or put, you know, really anyone famous front and center. Because, again, you know, Bob Holly is wrestling famous, but, again, it's Bob Holly. Kurt Angle's in the background. Triple H is on the back. Yeah. The back of the book does not sell books. And at that point, wasn't he already the son-in-law? Yes. Where's the nepotism? Exactly. Put Triple H <laughs> on the front. <laughs> if you're not going to put The Rock on the front... You know, I understand, you know, 2005 when this game came out, okay, maybe The Rock's image rights are a little bit more expensive. You know, he's he's in a few more movies now. Um, but still, I mean, you have the, all of these people under contract. Uh, John Cena. Where's John? Did you put John Cena on the cover? Edge. Edge. Put Edge on the cover. I mean, let me, let me just go down. The, in the, first off, the table of contents. If you don't mind, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit. There, I'm going to read off a list of some names that are in this book. Any of them could have been better on the cover. Like John Cena is the first name in the book. Mm-hmm. Edge. Who else do you have here? You could have put Batista, Rob Van Dam. You could have put, oh, wait, I don't know, Goldberg. <laughs> Goldberg. Like, Brock I'm not even Lesner. halfway through the list. Brock Lesnar, who, who was not quite there yet, but just on the precipice of being there. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, you could have put Demolition on the cover. Yeah. You could have put literally anybody else. Marty Jannetty. No, you couldn't have sold Marty (laughs) Jannetty on the cover. That might have been like the one worst move, like Marty Jannetty and Funaki. Either or. (laughs) The only thing is that could have made this worse. Mm -hmm. Although I I, I will say, I just have to, I have to say this because, um, you know, Marty, Marty Jannetty was brought up. One of my one of my great memories from uh, from wrestling school was sitting there helping guys set up a local show and listening to two of the local wrestlers talk. And one of them said, uh, well, say what you will about Marty Jannetty, but I've drank with him before and he's a great wingman. And I was just like, whoa, (laughs) what on earth? Yeah. Oh, buddy, that's a (laughs) that's a hard road. But no, in chat, my, my wife, Elfie, has said that John Cena is, in fact, on the cover. We just can't see him. Whoa! <laughs> How did we miss that? It was, like, right there in front of us. I know, right? Damn. <sighs> gotcha. But, yeah, this, I mean, this book is already off to a rocky start. And just one thing I want to say real quick uh, before we dig into what the D20 boom was this book is actually not made by an RPG company. Uh, this book was put out by Comic Image. Um, and I had to do a little bit of digging on them, but Comic Image was actually a trading card company. And I think the only reason they got to do this book was they had the WWE... Uh, trading card contract already so they already had these images and this you know like art already set aside so i think you know whenever the conversation came up hey hey, uh, vince you know this rpg thing is big what what's an rpg 
you know, uh, you know a bunch of a bunch of guys sit around and you know pretend to be wrestlers. Oh, that sounds stupid. They pay money for this. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's put something out. You know, it's funny about this is that you know you mentioned it's a trading card company. So <laughs> if you scroll through the book itself, when you look at the pictures that they have for the wrestlers, they all look like they could be the art from a trading card without the the logos or anything on it, like Johnny Nitro, Umaga, Chris Masters, Lance Cade, and then you get down to Trevor Murdoch. And what's funny is it's a picture of Trevor Murdoch in a Miller High Life baseball cap with <laughs> his hand on the tag team title that I don't know if he ever won <laughs> at a signing where you see that there is someone wearing a Hawaiian shirt that they just cut out of the picture. Like, they didn't even have, like, a ring shot of Trevor Murdoch. Like he must have been like owed a favor to the company or something. But this was definitely like a picture that was taken by someone who met him at a convention who was like, well, screw it. Uh, we need a picture of Trevor Murdoch here. Just just cut me out. Absolutely. Yeah. My God. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this. Um... Like I said, I've already alluded to this several times. This book came out during the height of the uh, the D20 boom, right as it was about to go into the D20 bust. So basically, for those of you who, like me, were not around or playing games during that time, um, in 2000, Wizards of the Coast has the open gaming license. So now anyone can, you know, use the open gaming license to use the, at that time, 3.0 rules. Uh, to make your own games. And there's a ton of companies that put themselves on the map with this. Green Ronin uh, comes to mind immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and they made some really good products. And there were some great, great games that came out of the D20 boom. But then there was also a whole bunch of crap. Because that's what happens when you have trends in RPGs. You've got some great stuff and then a whole bunch of imitators that are terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing in the comic world as well when, you know, you hit a point where the X-Men number one came out with the, the Jim Lee cover and then suddenly there was the big boom, McFarlane, Spider-Man, and then everybody is starting up a comic book company. Everyone's opening up their comic book shop. Everyone's putting out everything that they've ever wanted to put out. And then the bubble bursts. Mm -hmm. Yep, Absolutely. And the D20 boom got so ridiculous. We we talked about this with Steve Kenson on the show way, way back when we first started. Um, but they were like they were putting out like D20 Bible games and and D20 Afghanistan. And oh, just, like any anything, anything that you could possibly slap a D20 logo on and put some quick rules out for. There's a D20 game. And apparently that included WWE. That's something. Yeah, certainly is something. And to to get into kind of the, the crunchy mechanical side of things, when it comes to D20 and the, the D20 rules that are out there, um, they don't really lend themselves well to the world of sports entertainment, shall we say. They certainly don't. Like, I am racking my brain like as a, a person who runs games who you know dungeon master keeper of secrets chill master game master ghost master whatever you want to be master of something master of puppets i am pulling your strings <laughs> uh i i just like i'm looking at this like right now i'm looking at edge right mm -hmm. and skills balance plus five bluff plus 12 climb plus seven it's just like well how is that right i've seen this dude on the ladder Tables, mm -hmm. ladders, and chairs. So, like, it's like they're just putting a bunch of numbers behind a stat. Like, yeah. you know, even John Cena, you know, he's four for savvy, which, you know, I get power four, rough two. But his climb is like five. Escape artist is plus eight. Hide is only a plus six, which I feel like that's a completely missed opportunity yeah. there. Yeah. Again. You should have like a, a godlike hide because you can't see him. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I, I actually mentioned this on Saturday. So on Saturday, I had my good friend Gunnar Calloway on, and I always make a point to show him uh, 
anything RPG related that's also somehow related to his father. And so I showed him the Undertaker stat block. And let me tell you this, I mean, some of the stuff is just hilarious. So Undertaker's got kind of two moves that involve aerial anything. The old school, which is, you know, walking the ropes, and then the flying clothesline. Uh, because of these two moves, he has the aerial mover, aerial maneuver proficiency feat. Because that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when I think of uh, the Undertaker, I think of aerial maneuver proficiency. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him do it, but that's not what I think he's known for. I think you also might have a different or a later version of this than I do, because the version I have, the, one of the things I wanted to bring up was two glaring oversights is in this version, there's no Undertaker, there's no Shawn Michaels. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one thing I wanted to mention as well. The version that I have, it's it's the rules, but then at the back, uh, you've got stats, and there's a whole bunch of glaring omissions here as well. No Shawn Michaels in this book, no John Cena in this book. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, my book also doesn't have Triple H. My book does have Triple H. Huh. And it's interesting because they have, like, Matt Hardy and moves his NMM and Twist of Fate. Mm -hmm. They have The Rock, The Rock Bottom, but they don't have The Rock in the book. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, it seems like there's even some disparity in the versions that were released as far as who's in and who's not in. Because, um, again, like, this, this version that I have here... Um, no Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, no Cena, no Randy Orton. There's a whole bunch of, you know, big names, even big names in 2005, uh, like like people who should be in this book that are not. And instead we have stats for Earl Hebner, <laughs> Jonathan Coachman, the coach, and uh, Shane Helms, which, again, he's a North Carolina boy. I got to love Shane Helms. I love Shane Helms. Yeah. Yeah. But again, Shane Helms over Matt and Jeff Hardy, Brock Lesnar, Rob Van Dam. Yeah, it, it makes makes. I have, dude, I've balls Mahoney in my <laughs> in my version of it. So how are you going to have what balls the? Mahoney and not have the hurricane? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh my god, wasn't wasn't he dead in two thousand five? No. Balls, oh, maybe he was. Axel Rotten recently passed away. Recipes, Axel Rotten. Uh, Balls Mahoney might have been dead by 2005. I have, huh. I mean, we're, we're live here. I can I can look it up and see when, when Balls Mahoney passed away. Yeah, I mean, okay, so my version also has uh, Bull Nakano mm -hmm. and China and Lita and Tori Wilson. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Balls Mahoney didn't pass away until 2016. Okay. All right, so, yeah, he was very much alive here. We were very right. wrong on that. Yes. So another fun fact about my version of the book, which I think is kind of funny, is that it has Crash Holly, but doesn't have Bob Holly. And again, and again, I just... And Bob Holly's on the cover. He's your cover girl. Uh, you know what? Come to mention it as well. I'm looking through this list. My version also does have Kurt Angle. It doesn't have either guy that's on the cover. My version does have Kurt Angle. So I've, I've, I've got him. So weird. Yeah. This, and that's one other thing that I, I kind of wanted to mention about this. There was no support for this book after it came out. It seems like there were maybe two different versions released. And then from there... Uh, no splat books, no supplements. There, there's a whole world of things you could release for a you know properly supported wrestling or WWE game. You could do like a whole book of gimmick match rules. You could yeah. do like one of those kind of splat books from the '90s that just has like different weapons that that could be used. You could do. Just a whole, like, a monster manual for wrestling where you have kind of, you know, beefed up uh, stats for multiple eras, legends, 
uh, WCW guys, ECW guys. You don't just have to focus on the the WWE guys because you have the rights to those guys at this point. Um, but there's just none of it. All they did was the the two versions of this one book, and just kind of hung it out to dry. Yeah, I feel like my version is probably the secondary version with less in it. Mm-hmm. Because they probably did not sell enough to retain the Undertaker rights or the Triple H rights or whatever. But boy, howdy, did they have Balula McGillicuddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Is Jimmy Wang Yang in your book? Uh, he's not. Okay. He might have been, did. I think he might have been like 2007. Yeah, he, he, he came by a little later. But, uh, you know, I do have... Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, which I think is a plus. The British mm-hmm. Bulldog, who I think yeah. uh, was long gone by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a uh, this is this is something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, just kind of digging into the mechanics here. the The book itself, uh, the the way it's written, it opens with what's supposed to be kind of like dialogue between uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. But it's very half-hearted. It's not even like the quality of the Raw versus SmackDown video games. It's like... I I don't even know how to describe it. It, it, It's like they heard of Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, but never actually watched them interact with each other and then tried to write it. Yeah, that's... It's something. It's like there there was... D&D back in the day had these supplements where they, they have discs where you could like listen to people like how to role play. It might not have been actually like a wizard's like sanctioned product, but there was these DVDs out there like, or if you were ever in Barnes and Nobles and you were perusing the dummies section or the idiot's guide section, cause they're the two books, idiot's guide to, or dummies for, you know, like dungeons and dragons for dummies, you'd flip through it and they'd have like, scripts on like this is what role playing is supposed to be like and the scripting here was like much worse Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah there's i mentioned this in the uh the ill-fated james bond stream which we'll be trying again at some point uh but there there's a script here uh that kind of goes through a match and yeah i mean it's 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 like a corporate training video trying to teach you how to play Dungeons and Dragons. It's about that quality. Yeah, it's uh, it's the finest that 2005 had to offer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one thing that I love slash hate is they describe this in, in typical WWE fashion. You can't just rely on the words that people already use. It's true. Uh, you, you have to make up your own very clunky, very corporate term. And so here we don't have role-playing. No, we have smash-mouth role-playing. Yeah, that's pretty on brand. Pretty on brand for a, a pro-wrestling RPG. Absolutely. <sighs> and of course, in this game, you have the GM, but instead of the game master, you are the general manager. Okay, see, that I'm on board with. That's great. Yeah. That is that is right in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a cool bit of flavor. So basically, as the GM, and, and that's another thing I want to say in this book's favor, it's designed so that your players around the table are not just like one individual wrestler. It's designed that you guys, through the course of the night, will be playing out an entire card for a Raw or a SmackDown or a pay-per-view. And in that regard, you can kind of rotate maybe who's GMing or who's refereeing, and everyone's got multiple different players, uh, so or multiple different wrestlers, so that they can, you know, take on multiple different roles and and do different things around the table. You're not just stuck with your one character; you can be multiple characters. Which I think is a cool idea because if you're not playing just a one-on-one game. With one of your buddies, like four or five people come over one night to do it. I mean, you could do tag teams. You could have one one dude as the referee, like ring announcer. Like you could rotate it throughout the course of the night. So as far as encounters go, that actually kind of makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they even do have uh, they they do have rules for, you know, if it's just one person 
uh, and then like another player, the one person does not have to necessarily be the GM. Uh, they've got GM-less matches, basically. It seems like it would fall apart pretty quickly if things got contentious. Yeah. But it's possible. Yeah, I mean, it's also hard looking at this book from the standpoint of a person who loves professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you know that whoever wrote this book didn't. Yeah. Like they're just they're just plugging in numbers here. And I think that there is a, a, a probably a fine line that you could have walked even in 2005 mm-hmm. where you have a person who loves wrestling writing a wrestling book to the best of their ability with the D20 system and finding a happy medium and way to make it work where it didn't feel like you were reading stereo instructions. Like a person who loves wrestling, a person who's really passionate about professional wrestling, like you can see it in their writing. You can tell by the way they spell things out for you. Like this is definitely, you know, not only poorly laid out just from a standpoint of like reading a book, it's like poorly laid out for 2005, but they're just taking whatever they can and just trying to fill up uh, a page count. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's it's tough. Al- it's also very clear that they got uh, basically the once over from Titan Towers that said, okay, we use this word, this word, this word for wh- where normal people would use this word and this word. Um, and so because c- you see a lot of the WWE jargon the re- the wrestlers aren't wrestlers they're superstars that kind of stuff hey pal it's <laughs> not a belt it's a championship it's a championship that's good shit yeah i like it he's not a he he's the undertaker <laughs> yeah i i mean and that's and that's the thing like you like i I say stuff to be funny. I say stuff because, you know, we're, we're, we're smack talking this game. But, like, I know you love professional wrestling. Or you never would have put – you never would have laced up them boots and climbed through them ropes and taken them bumps. I love professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow. It's like a chicken wing. It's a technical maneuver. 1D6 damage submission minus one on maneuver checks. Like, that's it. There's no – like, as a person who maybe who picks up the book the first time who doesn't know professional wrestling. Like, I could not imagine you seeing something that says the chicken wing and all you're seeing is, like, a technical maneuver, 1d6 damage. Like, I'd imagine the flavor text being, like, a spell in Dungeons and Dragons where it's Mm -hmm. just like, well, this is what happens when you put someone to sleep. And it's, like, a little more, like, oh, a little more, like, exciting and flowery and kind of, like, they're throwing some words in there that make it a a little more exuberant than just, you know, a chop. Rough technical maneuver, 1d4 damage, or the Cobra Clutch technical maneuver. Like, you know, like where's the pizzazz? Right. Yeah, exactly. Or at least put something in there like, you know, the chicken wing favored by Bob Backlund. Uh, the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like give, give some examples. I, I mean, look, people opening this book who don't know wrestling, you know, saying Bob Backlund is not going to help them. But, I mean, people who do know wrestling. It's... Yeah, I mean, it's it's something. Or yeah. even, like, it sounds cool. Like, any, look, in the end of the day, if something at least sounds cool, you're going to listen a little longer. You're going to want to check it out. You're going to want to know what's going on because people mm-hmm. want to feel cool. They want to feel like they're in the know. Right. Like, I've often compared rpg books to textbooks because for all intents and purposes you know player's handbook dungeon master guide monster manual those are textbooks mm-hmm. you know the monster manual got monster manual you're obviously going to use a lot more but something like the dmg you're not going to sit there and read it like cover to cover and it's going to be like an enjoyable fun read for you mm-hmm. but they still put enough flavor in it that you still get kind of excited about what's going on in there so even if you're reading a boring section you know, you're, you're going to pop for something and you're going to be like, hmm, I could use that trap later. Something like this. It's like. This I'm, I'm reading. I might as well be reading like math, a math textbook. This is this is a STEM book mm-hmm. and not a, not a not a game book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, moving past the flavor, I. Uh, uh, we do have to mention some of the mechanics here because they do go into how a wrestling match works. Uh, basically, it's like combat in D&D, uh, 
the the only difference is that for a brief amount of time you as they put it control the other person's wrestler so basically if you hit with your maneuver you describe what happens and you do that back and forth uh there is a mechanic that makes you introduce variety you basically can't do forearm smash forearm smash forearm smash forearm smash over and over uh just to like maximize your damage they do say that you know you have to vary your maneuvers based on the modifier that you have for the skill associated with the class that's associated with it's very crunchy and very technical and weird but it's there. It's there to make sure that you're not just drop kicking six times in a row. Yeah, I mean, because if you're going to do that, you might as well just poorly play whatever video game is at the time because yes. you can't put a combo together. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what the uh, check is for the, the double shoulder tap for the reverse. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Let me see what we got here. Let me see what we got. That's probably... They do have a list of moves here somewhere. Yeah, uh, towards the back is a list of moves. That's what I was reading off of. Mm. Um, and it's it's interesting because as you scroll through it, uh, you find more and more pictures that aren't from the WWE. Like there's a picture of Sergeant Slaughter that was definitely taken at Toy Fair. There's a picture. <laughs> there's a picture of of uh, Bubba Ray Dudley wrestling in Japan. <laughs> And then there was like a for for one of the moves, it looks like it was a screenshot taken from tell like they paused the TV to to get this shot for this move. It's uh for the uh it says uh Masato Tanaka hits the diamond dust. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And it looks like they had an old VHS tape that they dubbed from a friend of a friend when people used to trade tapes back yep. in the day. Yep. And they popped it in and they paused it. And they took a picture probably with like a 35-millimeter disposable camera, took it down to the local photo mart, had it developed in an hour, and then <laughs> laid it out in the book. Because that's what you did back in 2005. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, there were scanners, but you still had to get it developed. So that was the move. They probably went to CVS, one-hour photo. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, there's a picture of Chris Benoit <laughs> doing it right underneath it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that... We were speculating about this uh, before we before we went on the air here, uh, but we, we think part of the reason why this book wasn't supported, other than the fact that they put zero effort into it, uh, it, it may be down to the fact that it came out in 2005, and, uh, you know, it was 2006 when it happened, or was it 05 when, when the Chris Benoit incident happened? It was right around that time. So for those listening at home who might not know the Grizzly story, Chris Benoit, professional wrestler, Canadian, took enough bumps that his brain was Swiss cheese, and he went home one day, and he murder-suicided his whole family, mm -hmm. uh, save one of his sons. Yep. And uh, it's one of the things that when you watch something like the WWE Network and you see any kind of product that the WWE puts out, they try to bury that story as much as they can because it's a real black mark on the history of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. So anything that has to do with Chris Benoit is quickly kind of hush-hushed and shoved to the side. However, this year, Vice, who puts out the series Dark Side of the Ring, actually did the Chris Benoit story and got Chris Jericho, who was Chris Benoit's best friend, to do the narration of it, which is six kinds of weird and i don't mm -hmm. i don't know how i feel about it however they could not have gotten chris jericho when he was under contract with wwe he's currently under contract with aew all elite wrestling mm -hmm. on tnt absolutely uh chris jericho is another wrestler who is absent from this version of the book which is a glaring omission especially i know especially in 2005 yeah he must have pissed somebody off mm-hmm but yeah, I mean, uh, and, and one other thing I want to plug, I once did an episode of a show called How Did This Get Booked, which is hosted by <laughs> Man Scout Jake Manning. And, oh, I love uh, the Man Scout. Absolutely. And, and Zane Riley from uh, Revolt. They host the show called How Did This Get Booked about, How Did This Get Booked about just terrible uh, wrestling shows 
typically they try to bring on a non-wrestling fan, but they brought me on to talk about the Billy Jack Haynes shoot interview where he goes into his conspiracy around the Chris Benoit murder-suicide. And I saw some dark parts of Billy Jack Haynes' psyche in... in uh, I I don't quite still to this day know what I watched. Yeah. To but you're different. It, yeah, to, to sum it up for it's you guys, you. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes swears up and down that Vince McMahon had the Benoit family and Chris Benoit murdered because he was actually Daniel's father. Wow. <laughs> I yeah. bet the WWE lawyers love that. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, um, it's special. Well, you know what? You get dropped on your head a bunch. You become a disgruntled employee at some point. You're gonna say mm-hmm. some shit. Yeah, whether it's absolutely. true or not. Absolutely. You know, shoot interview. You can find it on highspots.com. It's 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 a journey. It's a journey. It's something. <laughs> But get, getting back into kind of the, the mechanics here, basically you do this back and forth of maneuvers until one of you generates enough heat, uh, which is, you know, in, in wrestling terms, that's whether the crowd, you know, is booing or cheering. That's your heat. You generate enough heat to pull off a finishing maneuver. Uh, finishing maneuvers do double damage. And then um, from there you get into pinfall attempts and pinfall attempts is this whole mini game where you've got three different saves you can make uh will fortitude or I, I don't remember what the third one is but it's one of those oh uh reflex will fortitude or reflex you can only make one each time and in, in a given match so if you go down for a, a three count and you make your uh you know reflex save you can't do that anymore next time it's got to be either fortitude or will right it and makes sense yeah you basically you do that until someone gets pinned uh and then there's mechanics for cheating which are broken beyond belief oh yeah i mean if you're gonna find a way to break the game it's gonna be through like cheating which is very important to professional wrestling if you're a heel yep and the game even mentions, you know, it, it talks about, you know, heel stuff is heel stuff. And so if you're playing a heel, you know, you, you cheat. And it mentions that if you cheat enough times, it's on the, the general manager at that point to come out and say, no disqualifications, or we're doing this next match in a steel cage, or, you know, however you want to do it. Suspend your manager over the ring in a shark cage. Uh, street fights. War games. You know, pick your poison at that point. Manager in a shark cage over the <laughs> ring. One of the most ridiculous, nonsensical, couldn't possibly, like, how does this work? But man, it's one of my favorite gimmicks. Absolutely. that That's up there with, like, pole matches as far as just yeah. complete ridiculousness. Did yeah. You, did you see the exchange on Twitter between Jericho and a fan about the Orange Cassidy feud? Uh, no, I didn't see that. Someone said, is this is this feud going to culminate in a bag of oranges on a pole match? And Jericho said, I can guarantee you that it won't. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's like it's like, a, it's like a good piece of wrestling history. Putting something on a pole. Buff Bagwell's mom on a pole. Judy Bagwell on a pole. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Guitar on a pole. They always involve Jeff Jarrett because I yes. think. I don't know what what it was in Vince Russo's mind. It's just like, bro, bro, Jeff Jarrett, pole match. Yeah, bro, don't gimmick the guitar. <laughs> it looked great. It looked cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an important thing, too. And one of the things I did appreciate about the book is that they did put some kind of gimmick matches in there so you would understand mm-hmm. You know what the gimmick matches are, such as, you know, they had the gimmick match for Hell in a Cell, no Undertaker or Mankind, but it was there. Yep. Uh, they had the Royal Rumble. 
uh, Money in the Bank ladder match, which is meaning that this is coming out like right on the heels of Money in the Bank oh, yeah. ladder match being a thing. Like old enough where even in the picture, the Money in the Bank briefcase was just a brief. Like they went to like Staples and they bought a briefcase. Yep. Ben's where? I don't know. And it's hanging above the hanging above the ring. You have the elimination chamber, ECW rules because ECW was a part of this RPG as well. Hmm. A boiler room ball, buried alive, a casket match, all the Undertaker's matches, hmm. but no Undertaker. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, that's an expansion from what we've got here because here we have like a ladder match, Hell in a Cell cage match. And I think that's about it. I don't even think we have Royal Rumble. Yeah, Iron Man match I have as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got, I think, yeah, Iron Man and, and No DQ. And then one, one other thing to mention here, um, because another big part of wrestling, of course, is championships. Championships! Championships. And the way that championships work is they're basically magic items. Yeah. They, uh, so, you know, let's take, for example, the World Heavyweight Championship, which we've got here, uh, as, as Raw, it's that beautiful, uh, gold belt that they had for a very brief amount of time between, like, 2002 and 2006. This is after the Winged Eagle, right? Yeah, after the okay. Winged Eagle. Yeah, I, I, I can visualize it, yeah. Mm -hmm. The one, I, the, the JBL belt. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that, um... That gives you a plus three reputation bonus, and once per show, you can add your reputation bonus to a die roll before rolling. Okay, yeah, so like legit magical items. Mm -hmm. uh, what color was the Intercontinental Belt in your book? Let's see, the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, they don't have a picture of it, which is ridiculous. What, what color do you have? Uh, I, I don't have it in this book. They, they did not put the championships in the version that I found on the internet. Mm -hmm. Now, folks, just so you know, I'm a huge proponent of going and buying PDFs of everything that you are going to buy if you can't find the physical copy of the book. But this does not exist. So I'm on a website called Scribd.com. Someone mm -hmm. like scanned it in and I have to remember to cancel the free trial or I'm going to get billed 10 bucks for looking <laughs> at this looking at this module. Yep, absolutely. And I was a sucker enough to go on Amazon and buy a physical copy um, because I don't know why. I, I guess I just needed to archive this. At least I have it so that I can so that I can show my, my good friend Gunner that yes, in fact, his father has been immortalized in an RPG book. That was a good moment. I think he really appreciated that. But other than that, there's no reason to buy this book. There are other wrestling games out there. There are other WWF wrestling games out there that are better than this. There's one that came out in the late 80s or early 90s that's actually decent yeah i mean i after like you initially hipping me to this like a little while ago i was like oh there's got to be like some other like good wrestling books and i remembered in my collection already i had worldwide wrestling by nathan de paletta uh they just did a second edition of this they just kickstarted it so i'm not sure when it's actually going to be out and available but if you can only find this version this is an exceptional wrestling rpg game like and it was written by a person we had him on the show to talk about another game that he created on vintage rpg he loves wrestling mm -hmm. and it was like Stu was getting lost because Stu <laughs> Stu doesn't watch wrestling yeah. and me me and him are like we're going back and forth and he's like doing a dust you know we're doing imitations we're talking about like, mo like we're having a blast and this is a guy who loves professional wrestling he put so much love into this book i'm going to show the camera again worldwide wrestling by nathan d paletta Definitely check this out. I mean, there's even essays in the book explaining like what it is to be a fan of wrestling, like what kayfabe is. Like if you're ever trying to explain what kayfabe is to someone and they're just not getting it, great explanation in this book as well. So I highly, highly recommend this book. Absolutely. Yeah. What like how does the system work in that particular game? Is it is it like D20 based or like because I was trying to think of different systems that would work for a wrestling game. And what I settled on was it would basically have to be a rules light system, and then I think Apocalypse would probably end up being the the best one for a a wrestling game. You know, uh, it is powered by the Apocalypse. Gotcha. 
I was looking to make sure it said it on the book because I remember it being powered by the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. But it's always nice that when you look on the back of the book, it explains to you how it works. But yeah, it's powered by the apocalypse. And I think the powered by the apocalypse system really does lend itself to a game like this because the focus and listen, for those listening at home uh, who might not know me, I have been in sales most of my life. I'm a tra- was a traveling salesman for almost a decade. And I will tell you, if you want to learn how to sell, and you want to look at like what is truly and who are truly the best salespeople on the planet, they're professional wrestlers. Because when you really think about what they're doing in the year 2020, people know that, and I don't like to use the F word, I'm not going to say fake, but wrestling is predetermined. Yeah. And it's a, it's a soap opera with suplexes, right? Mm-hmm. So unlike a professional sporting event like baseball, hockey, basketball, football, uh, soccer, whatever it may be, curling, I don't know what you're into. Mm-hmm. However, you know that when you are going to a sporting event, you don't know who's going to win or lose. You have right. no idea what the outcome's going to be. Whereas with professional wrestling, we know in the cosmic we that there is a person in the back with a pencil saying, you're going to win tonight, you're going to lose tonight, and this is how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And yet, these men and women every night go out there and put on a performance, whether they're cutting a promo on Monday Night Raw, whether they're playing a Money in the Bank match, Money in the Bank ladder match at the Nassau Coliseum, rest in peace, Nassau Coliseum. Like, they are out there, and they are making you believe, and not not even, you forget, you suspend disbelief. You're not thinking, well, I know that I fantasy booked this in my head, and, you know, Undertaker is going over tonight. You don't know, because by the time you get from A to B, you are so fully invested in what's happening in the ring in front of you. You are so fully invested in what you're seeing on TV that you're like, I'm going to buy this T-shirt. I'm going to buy a ticket to the show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get in an argument with a stranger on the Internet over something that is predetermined. Yeah. Because yeah, wrestling absolutely. is real. Wrestling is the last and most truest and realest form of salespersonship in the entire mm-hmm. universe. It is so pure and it's so true in the art that it is. Because if something that you know is predetermined can get you to forget about literally everything, including your knowledge as predetermined for however many minutes that matches. Hmm. It's done its job. Absolutely. And real quick, I just want to uh, give a shout out to Namira who just wrapped up her stream. Uh, she's rated or since we're talking about wrestling tonight, she's done a run in here. Uh, so we've got a few people in here. And of course, Spoonie Sage, thank you for the follow. Uh, you guys should check out Namira's channel. She streams horror games. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm over there typically every Tuesday. Um, but again, to to your point there, Hambone, I have felt that feeling of, you know, I am lost in this moment. I'm caught up in this amazing sport, this amazing thing that I know in my head is predetermined. I've been caught up in that moment and forgotten all of those, all of that knowledge that I had in big arenas, and I've forgotten it in National Guard armories with an audience of 60 people. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've seen some, actually, I've seen some of the best shows ever in little tiny arenas, just at local federations where, you know, guys were pouring their heart and soul into their matches. And I mean, Look, you can say that wrestling is fake all you want. I've done it before. The 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 toll that it takes on your body is very real. Uh, what these guys put themselves through is very real. It's a live theater in the round, and if it's done well, it doesn't even matter if you know it's fake because, you know, at that moment you see two guys trying to rip each other's heads off. Absolutely. You know, I was at last year's WrestleMania when, you know, Becky... Becky Two Belts mm-hmm. became the cha- the champion of everything uh, yeah. at the end of the night. Uh, I was there in that audience when Kofi Kingston finally won that title. I was there the year before at All In when Joey Ryan resurrected, pun intended. <laughs> and I mean, I've seen the energy and I felt the energy in buildings where the roof is literally about to get blown off the place because people are so invested in this. And I've seen small shows, too. I mean, I've seen shows in Cleveland. Uh, Joey Janela. Love you, Joey Janela. Uh, 
you know, coming out and like a a, a, a small like in the back of like a church basketball court or something like everyone's coming unglued because when you got that pop the fun don't stop man people are fully invested in this you know i came up in punk rock playing making towns going on the loops playing to nobody but when you have that moment when the crowd is really dialed into you and what you're doing you can literally you could feed off that energy it is the most magical thing i think i've ever experienced in my life that just you you could actually see the energy coming off that crowd and coming into your hands and you could touch them wherever they're standing yeah absolutely and and to be able to capture that in a role-playing game or capture that feeling in the text of a role-playing game like uh like worldwide wrestling did i definitely need to to pick up that book because that sounds like kind of the the golden ticket it's another situation where I don't know if I can convince anyone to play with me, but, you know, I, I definitely need to pick that up. But this book right here, WWE Know Your Role, this is not it. This is not what you're looking for if you want that magical feeling of what wrestling is to so many people, because that is a cookie-cutter, cold, corporate, shout-out product. It is not... It is not made with love. I'm sure there were people who worked on it that, you know, loved what they were doing and loved wrestling, but it sure doesn't show. Yeah, it stinks on ice. Mm -hmm. Ryan, I'll tell you this. Uh, if you do pick up the book, hit me up. We can jump on Discord together. I will absolutely play it with you. I would love to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you, go bell-to-bell, -bell and see which one of us is staring up the lights when it's all said and done. Absolutely. Because you've got to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ryan Murdoch this evening. See, see Murdoch, see, I, I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, it's good. That's it's a good gimmick. Mm -hmm. Got to live out. Got to live out the uh, the fantasies that I, I picked out my entrance music and everything. It was prime ridiculous. What was it? Uh, so I was thinking of entering to Fox on the Run by oh. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. That's fantastic. Either that or, you know, like if I wanted to, I also came up with this idea that I would be, I basically came up with what I didn't know Brandon Cutler was already doing because he was on the West Coast and I'd never seen or encountered him before. But right. the idea was that I was going to be, you know, like a, like a proper D&D &D fighter. And so I would be, I would be uh, the, the battle master, Ryan Murdoch. That's good. And I'd come out to uh, Disturbed's cover of Land of Confusion. Ugh, that's good. I love it. I love everything about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no. It turns out you have to be good at wrestling to get to do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of thought about, you know, I was talking to a bunch of wrestlers a little while back, and, you know, they were indie wrestlers. They were t kind of telling me the ins and outs of like bringing people in and doing whatever. And, and they're like, you really love wrestling. And I was like, I, I would love to do it. Like, well, why don't you do it? I was like, I got a bad back as it is. Mm -hmm. So I can't take any bumps. Like, well, what if you like became a man? He said, you're good at talking. What if you became someone's manager? You take like the manager bumps. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. like the, I was like a little baby bump. Like, you know, like, you know, someone would get me, give me like a diamond cutter or like a, a stunner where like I fall down really poorly. Or like, you know, I just kind of, get punched and I slide off the apron. But even that, I don't know. It was a little too much for me. However, uh, I do have my own theme. If you've heard the Vintage RPG podcast, the theme is actually called Kickstart My Ham by my buddy George. Dead Go West is uh, the name of what he records music under. He's recorded a ton of different great themes, and we've played in bands together in the past. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have Kickstart My Ham, so I would have come out uh, Hellbound Hambreaker, Handbreaker is my Twitter handle at Handbreaker. That would have been my pro wrestling uh, gimmick, and uh, you know, Hellbound Handbreaker. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, like I thought about it at the time. I've got experience doing some like announcing work. I used to do football announcing. Yeah, uh, I thought about the the commentary route, but then I was just like, "Where's it going to take me?" Yeah, you know, and also like, you know, when they eventually break the Spanish announce table and then they come around to your table. Yep. I mean, I, I just imagine I'd be sitting there like, so how do I how do I cross my legs in this situation? Like, how do I like sit and position myself? And, you know, like, what if I have an itch? Like, I don't know. Now I don't have a table covering me. I, it's, mm -hmm. it's weird. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. 
But <laughs> along the way, I, I did, you know, if I do want to go back and try to be a wrestling announcer, I did have the opportunity to meet both Brutal Bob Evans from uh, Ring of Honor and Kevin awesome. Kelly. I met Kevin Kelly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've run it. I've met him before at conventions. He's a doll. Absolute mm-hmm. sweetheart. Yeah, because for for whatever reason, I don't know how or why they arranged this, but the commentary team for the local uh, federation PWX that I was uh, that I was you know was like setting up the ring for and stuff like that. This is the promotion that Cedric Alexander came from. Uh, you know, Tessa Blanchard has done a lot of work there too. Um, awesome. It's it's the Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, local promotion. But their commentary team was Brutal Bob Evans and Kevin Kelly. And so, you know, Kevin Kelly was at every single show. And I was just like, hey, if I wanted to ever talk announcing, that's the guy. And, you know, I exchanged pleasantries with him, but I was never like, hey, you know, wrestling announcing. What, how's that work? Yeah. Hey, right, look, you're never too old to try. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. DDP became the three-time world champ at age 36. Mm-hmm. So you got you, you got a couple years ahead of you to, to get into the business. You're still looking to get into the business. Yeah, I I know that won't yeah. work. I will be in the wrestling business of watching it from my sofa in the dungeon hidden somewhere in the swamps of New Jersey. Absolutely. Well, uh, any any final thoughts about this uh, this particular product that we have here or any other wrestling games uh, or, or wrestling-related things that you just want to throw out there as we're wrapping up here? You know, uh, I will tell you, if you are listening to this show and it's been a while since you've watched professional wrestling, there is no shortage of great wrestling out there. Different federations, different flavors, different feels. There is a pro wrestling federation for you to fall in love with. There's wrestlers for you to watch. Uh, if you are looking for some real good action, you know, definitely High Spots, High Spots Network is, for me a better deal than say buying the WWE network where you're just going to kind of watch old stuff that's happened, right? You're going to get a lot more entertained on the high spots network. So I highly recommend highspots.com. Uh, if you are a laps wrestling fan and you're kind of missing that in your life, man, just go back, just check it out. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little different now than maybe it was when say a lot of people in my age, I'm 41 years old. I know I look, I'm 28. Thank you for noticing Ryan. <laughs> uh, I know that it's a little different now than it was back in the Attitude Era. But in a lot of ways, I think it's it's a lot better. And I think there's a lot more uh, fun and adventurous styles of wrestling happening now. So I, I definitely recommend people checking that out. If you're looking for a wrestling game to check out, I do recommend Nathan D. Pauletta's Worldwide Wrestling. Check it out. You can definitely find it on RPG. Try to get a physical copy or wait for the uh, second round of it to come out, which uh, I don't know when that's coming out, but I'm sure it's going to be coming out soon. And if you are a wrestling fan right now, because of what's going on in our world with the pandemic, there are not a lot of live wrestling events going to be happening. Who knows what the future of live events is really going to be. If you are a wrestling fan and you do have a wrestler that you love, don't be shy about going to their merch store and buying some merch. Don't be shy about going to pro wrestling tees and seeking out some merch. Don't be shy about maybe joining their Patreon because I know some of them got Patreons now. There's still great ways to support your favorite independent wrestlers and WWE superstars while the money isn't coming in like it used to be. And I do recommend putting over some indie guys. So definitely think about throwing your money their way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to second that because, you know, you go to the even when there were shows regularly happening, you'd go to these shows. And, you know, if you walked up to someone's gimmick table and you paid, you know, the, the 15 to 20 dollars for, for a T-shirt, you could tell that it, it you know, made a difference to them. It for really the, does. For the most part. There, there were a couple guys who were a little bit eh about it. Like Chase Owens didn't really seem to care. But then again, you know, Bullet Club. Yeah. They got shirts and Hot Topic. They're doing all right. Absolutely. Uh, I, I will say this, though. I especially like, again, coming from the punk rock scene, it is important to support independent artists, independent creators, and, you know, buy T-shirts. T-shirts are where the money's at for a lot of people. That said... Listen, when you're supporting a wrestler, a professional wrestler, it's not like I might get like a slice on my finger changing a guitar string or like 
oh, I might have too many beers and have a kind of a rough show uh, when I'm drinking the $2 PBRs before we go on stage in Madison, Wisconsin. A professional wrestler is out there literally putting their life on the line every time they step in that ring for your entertainment. So when you think about spending your hard-earned money, definitely think about spending it on the men and women who are literally breaking their bodies to bring a smile to your face. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you've got a couple of podcasts and, and a lot of stuff going on. So, Hambone, anything you want to promote right here, of course, you know, Vintage RPG, Mai Tai Happy Hour, go for it. Floor's yours. Certainly. Uh, definitely check out my podcast, Mai Tai Happy Hour. It's pop culture for weirdos wherever podcasts are found. You could find us weekly wherever you're downloading your shows as well. The Vintage RPG Podcast. I'm the co-host of that. We talk about classic games. We talk about new games. We talk about we talk with creators. We are talking every single week. VintageRPG.com. You can find me on the Twitter at Handbreaker. I tweet about cute animals. I tweet about professional wrestling. And I tweet about Dungeons and Dragons. If you're looking for more pictures, you can follow my day-to-day adventures in podcasting and in life over on Instagram at John Hambone McGuire. Absolutely. And having just listened to an episode of Vintage RPG this morning, hearing all of that again live on the air, it 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 makes me feel something in my heart. I, I, oh, thanks, man. I love I love the show. If you guys haven't heard it, I did an episode with with Hambone and Stu uh, a few months ago where, you know, we talked a lot about Vintage RPG and how that came together, uh, how the two of them got to know each other. And yeah, just, you know, really, you know, you guys should be listening to Vintage RPG. It's like 15 minutes every week. It's a great show unearthing some really weird and interesting games just that have kind of been lost to time and Stu somehow found them. (laughs) He finds it. If it's out there, he does find it. Next week, I can tell you, I'll tell you a little bit uh, ahead of time. Uh, next week's episode is going to be Mazes and Monsters, the Tom Hanks TV movie, which launched his career uh, based on the book by Rona Jaffe about yeah, loosely based on the James <laughs> Dallas Egbert case uh, during the Satanic Panic. And if you do love the Vintage RPG, uh, we are coming up on our second anniversary as a show. The website's been around a little longer. The show is about to be two years old on July the 7th. On July 6th, we're launching our merch store for the first time. So you guys are hearing this first. Sorry, patrons. I'm spilling the beans to <laughs> Ryan first. But yeah, we are launching a merch store for the podcast. So, you know, you'll see that stuff coming soon. Awesome. Well, Hambone, thank you for joining us. Uh, You know, this has been a lot of fun. Guys, uh, thank you for tuning in. Of course, this Saturday on Danishes and Dragons, we will be uh, talking once again to my good friend Kyle Smith about his gaming and his, uh, his YouTube show, Our Table. I have instructed him to come up with a breakfast item for us to talk about. I will try to reproduce it myself in my kitchen. Hopefully he goes easy on me. Uh, but knowing Kyle, it'll probably be something crazy because he loves his uh, his chef-type stuff. And then, of course, next Monday, it was only a matter of time before they crossed paths and ended up on Rolling Bones, but I will be joined by the Rocky Mountain Savages. We are once again talking Savage Worlds, quickly becoming one of my favorite game systems of all time. Uh, so just be on the lookout on Twitter at Howard underscore Ryan Gregg. The same thing on Instagram where you can see my minis. And I'll keep you posted on all of that stuff. But until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I am so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard. And I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, Ryan Howard here. Just wanting to remind you all that now, instead of just listening to the podcast every Saturday morning, you can join us live on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on Twitch to watch and listen to my interviews each week. I'll also be doing a Saturday morning show called Danishes and Dragons, where I discuss both D&D campaigns and my favorite breakfast foods and coffees. I look forward to seeing each and every one of you, and you can find links to Twitch and YouTube in the show notes page. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and thank you very much for listening.